podcast for the movie Den of Thieves. My name is Tom Chick. I'm here with Christian Merlowski. Uh, y'all can just call me Fraulein. And with a Den of Thieves tagline, sometimes two, maybe three, I think once we even had four, we have Kelly Wand. It's like a Michael Mann movie, but without the soundtrack or A-listers. <laughs> Are there runners up to that, Kelly Wand? Just one. One tagline. Interesting. Ooh. All right. No, one runner up. Oh, one runner up. Okay, so two taglines. Go ahead. What do you got? Gerard's like Fat Russell Crowe, except his suicidal gladiator was Greek. I like that. It's a thinker. It's like it's a, you got to think hard. Yeah, you got to know a little history, even. Right. I try to educate while I inform. That's very good, Kelly Wand. I call it edumation. <laughs> what, what I love about that is that one of our emailers, Chris Markinson, also said that he kind of reminded him of Fat Russell Crowe at the beginning. I think yeah. Thomas, Thomas had an, an effect on people about Fat Russell Crowe. No, it's a thing. It's a beautiful thing, and I'm waiting for Frumpy Dunst to catch on as well. Frumpst. Uh, all right. Well, let's. I think we're getting a little ahead of ourselves because I was oh, about to talk ahead about. Now. Yeah, Russell Crowe could have. I would have. I wouldn't have minded if if they maybe like cast Russell Crowe and say, well, you know, let let's have Dingus Ooh. tell the listener. Hold on. Let's have Dingus <laughs> tell the listeners what movie we saw this week. Spoiler free, this, Dingus. Well, this week we saw Den of Thieves. Hmm. A 2018 American action crime drama heist movie about getting into and out of a lot of vehicles. It was directed by Christian Gudegast and written by Christian Gudegast with Paul Schuring. It stars oh. Pablo Schreiber, Gerard Butler, O'Shea Jackson Jr., 50 Cent, I think that's how you say it, uh, Evan Jones, Malik Strouder, and Mo McRae. Den of Thieves is rated R for violence, language, and some sexuality slash nudity. What? what oh, oh, right, right, right. Okay. Strip club, what? dude. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, Kelly Wand, are you, do you concur? Has the MPAA finally warned parents about all they need to know, or is there anything missing from that rating uh, disclaimer thing? I'd caution parents if I had kids of extreme length and girth and not actually about a den. So. <laughs> I don't know. That room where they uh, first uh, talked to O'Shea Jackson, that was kind of like a den, wasn't it, Kelly Wand? But isn't it dim? Does it have pipes? Pipes like Sherlock Holmes and uh, books? And uh, well, is that well steady? also pack animals live in dens. So I don't think those they have pipes and books. A den sounds comfortable, which seems weird for this movie or the or this crew of criminals. All right, or any crew of criminals. Something just kind of rough it. Well, just the fact that we're trails. debating it, I think you're you're correct. That parents should be warned about that. That yeah, there are no dens. In fact. If I was a parent listening to me right now, I'd be going, let's skip this movie (laughs) until the kids are are older. Are you comfortable with the amount of smoking, Tom, and Mm. the organic smoking uh, alternative? It's it's an R-rated movie. I'm comfortable with everything in this movie. All right. 
Yeah, if you're <laughs> R-rated, I just, I just, this, and and I was super glad with the early F bomb. Like in the very first scene, there's like F this, F that, you F and F, and I'm like, cool, we're gonna see an R-rated movie. Sweet, because I, I'm like mm-hmm. Kelly, I like my movies R-rated, but unlike Kelly, I understand why some of them are rated PG-13. Mm. I am, I am not like Kelly, and I don't understand <laughs> that. Uh, Den of Thieves opened at number three on its opening weekend. It made $15 million. Uh, and I find it instrumental. So also opening on that weekend was a movie that uh, called 12 Strong, which I think is about – for some reason, I think it's about like American soldiers in Afghanistan. I could be just completely inventing that. Uh, but 12 Strong is a Chris Hemsworth action movie. This was a Gerard Butler action movie. Uh, so I find it instructive that if if you were to consider who would win in a fight between Chris Hemsworth and Gerard Butler, the opening weekend of Den of Thieves answered that question. Because 12 Strong, a Chris Hemsworth vehicle, that opened at number two with like 15.8 million. Den of Thieves was at number three with 15.2 million. So commercially, Chris Hemsworth has got a little bit of a leg up on Mr. Butler. Hmm. But now let, let's see what the American public thinks by going to cinema score. Well, I do think you have to, if you're going to have a heist movie, I think you have to make more on your opening weekend than they get in the heist. <laughs> <laughs> I will have comments about that. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, right. Let's see. On cinema score, the kind of idiots who are like, yeah, what do we want to see? You know, I don't know. Oh, let's go to this Den of Thieves thing. Jared Butler's in Yeah, the guy from uh, the White House Down movie. Let's go see that. And then they come out of the movie, and some random person is saying, is giving them a ballot, saying, sir, ma'am, please uh, tear through the, the letter grade that most reflects your experience of this movie. Tear through and they're like, it. And they're like, what? That's what it is, Kelly Wand, is you get a piece of paper, and you tear through the one. Because along the edges of the papers, A, B, C, and so on, you tear through the one that you choose would be its you, you assign it its grade. So the kind it's of people perforated who, like those those like things you see like do you need a babysitter rip this little thing off? Right, right, yeah, exactly. Uh, so uh, the the kind of people who got those ballots, they gave this movie a B plus. Wow, which is not which is not good because m- movies by default, and this is the case with Twelve Strong. Twelve Strong got an A. So again, Chris mm. Hemsworth, slight leg up over Gerard Butler. Just give them ballots that only have A's on them, and then your votes higher. It might as well, yeah. Uh, on Metacritic, uh, uh, Den of Thieves is at 50, and 12 strong, 54. Mm. Mm. Rotten Tomatoes? Six. Rotten Tomatoes is uh, Den of Thieves is at 40% of the reviews being positive. For 12 strong, 54% of the reviews were positive. So this opening weekend answered the, the question, who would win in a box office fight between Chris Hemsworth and Gerard Butler? We now know the answer to that. Who? Uh, Chris, <laughs> Thor. <laughs> Which one's yeah. solid? Marvel solid Comics. 54. Yeah, yeah the, the, the Marvel Comics brand push uh, would win more than – what has Gerard but Oh, than Geostorm. Than the three the three hundred push, I guess. I, I mean, I, I do people. Yeah, three three hundred is pretty old now, isn't it? Yeah. Wait, but Geostorm's Chris Hemsworth. Geostorm is a. Uh, uh, I briefed you guys on this movie. Uh, it's Gerard <laughs> Butler. It's the latest Gerard Butler vehicle. He goes into space to fight a, a, a global weather disaster. Wait, why didn't we do that movie? 
<laughs> I did it. I took the bullet for that. Uh, you took the bullet. Yeah, that's we, terrible. We went to Geo Metro instead. Kelly Wan, uh, I would like you now to spoil the entirety of Den of Thieves by just telling the listeners, hey, here's what happens in the movie, throughout the whole movie, from the beginning to the middle to even the end, and any twists that may or may not be at the end. Go ahead and tell everyone. <laughs> there was a twist? I don't remember that. Uh, also, Kelly Wan, did you see this in English or German? I saw it in English, unfortunately, but I was pretending it was in German <laughs> while I wrote the opsis. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Here we go. I had another impression I was going to excite you with at the end of the podcast, but maybe I'll put it off a week. Uh, okay. Well, I, I, yeah, I mean, that's a good tease to say, hey, next week I've got another impression. <laughs> Yeah. Else, another good tease, Kelly Wand. Hey, at the end of the podcast, I'm going to do a new impression. Both of those work. <laughs> All right. It's it's going to be Robert Shaw as Han Solo. <laughs> it's kind of for you. I love it already. So at the end, you can decide if you want to hear it this week or next week. I can tell you. Uh, okay. You know, Kelly Wan, they've done tests with with little children where and it's to it's to test when people develop a sense of delayed gratification and they go into a little room. They put a child in a room and they they give the child a piece of chocolate and they say, uh-huh. I'm going to leave a marshmallow. Actually, chocolate is better because marshmallows are wretched. Nobody wants to eat a marshmallow. <laughs> and they say to the little child, they say to the child, I'm going to leave. And in five minutes when I come back, if you haven't eaten that chocolate yet, which you're welcome to go ahead and eat, young young man or young lady, feel free to eat it. But in five minutes when I come back, if you haven't, you're going to get a second piece of chocolate. And they leave, and five minutes later, they come back, uh, and children who uh, have developed this sense of delayed gratification know to wait for the second piece of chocolate. Most children, however, just snarf down the chocolate immediately. I would be one such child. So, so Kelly Wand? I just want you to know that you should be prepping this impression of, of Robert Shaw's Han Solo for the end of this podcast tonight. I will right. not be able to wait until next week. Wait, so they give him a marshmallow the first no, time? No, ignore the marshmallow yeah. thing because marshmallows are gross. They're not in it anymore. We're it's constructing a s'more. We're, we're constructing a s'more <laughs> analogy, I think. It's like here's a treat. If you don't have it, if you if you force yourself to wait for five minutes instead of eat it right now – You'll double your uh, investment, your return on your investment. Uh, okay, I understood everything after that part. <laughs> <laughs> I just got confused at the beginning part. All of this just was just like, to say, Kelly Wan, there's no way, if it's up to me, there's no way I'm waiting for this impression until next week. So you're doing it at the end of the podcast. All right. But it'll be, okay. Meanwhile. <laughs> oh, yeah, did you get my explosion sound effect ready? We'll edit this out because they'll be in there seamlessly. You don't know when to do it. Well, no, that's you're supposed to go do the explosion now, Tom. And then I edit oh, out you that? saying. I always that. think yeah. you never do that. You just leave it in, and so it's me on the podcast like, explosion because you think that's funnier. <laughs> that is funny. You don't listen to that. any of you. Never listen to any of these, do you? That is true. Well, I don't listen to the explosion parts because I get too scared. Because if it's not there, I'll. Nice work spoiling what would have been a cool sound effect reveal for the listeners. No, they'll know it. They're not listening right now. <laughs> they skipped all this. 
<laughs> they know me at all. <laughs> Den of Thepsis. Previously on the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast. <laughs> Give me your White House product registration key, white man. Oh, God, really? Timmy, which wall are you behind? <laughs> it's not. <laughs> the kid character's name is something else. <laughs> Sir. Wait, this is me now? That was you. <laughs> the kid character's name is something else. Is you, dude. Ooh, okay, sir, now London's also fallen. Uh, shit keeps falling, sir. Shut up, fool. Come on, Charlie. It wasn't all pee. Hey, everybody, look what I'm using the force to do. No training or anything. <laughs> no, his rank is Beaumont. <laughs> Why am I... What? How come I gotta be number six? Dingus <laughs> Connor <Whoa. laughs> And now the concluding chapter of the Butler trilogy, Den of Thepsis. <laughs> oh yeah, pretend there was action music playing. <laughs> Den of Thepsis. While a van drives, some words are all six million times every day the same bank is robbed. This one scene is the bank robbery capital of the world, Gardena. Although this next part's actually about an armored truck. Uh, don't have the stats on those. Get back to you. <laughs> Some armored truck guards are all. <laughs> Donuts, yeah. <laughs> what the masked gunman? No. <laughs> You say? I think it was shoot him and run away. No! I said, please remove your windshield or it will be done forcibly. Yeah, the money's in the back of the truck. <laughs> windshield is at the front. Just FYI, uh... The robbers can't hear him, so they shoot out the windshield, but also use a hook and a fishing pole to remove it. There's no cut to the guy in the donut shop watching all this through the front windows, but I picture an old Italian guy with drooping mustaches like Laverne's dad, looking really bored. Donuts are just pizzas with different geometry. The robbers blow open the back of the truck with C4. Explosion. One of the guards is all, it was unlocked. Uh, also, uh, those cardboard boxes on the stack in front that say donuts on them, those contain our donuts. As the robbers start to take out the money, one of the guards shoots one of the robbers. The robbers all, damn it, I, I said don't shoot us. Nope, he didn't. Go back and listen. <laughs> Some police sirens rapidly approach. The robber without a beard's all, fuck cops. The lead robber's all, <laughs> damn it. I told them not to come and arrest us. No one listens to me. <laughs> the other robbers all, what? They get in their car and drive to a garage, not a den. The main robber, whose defining characteristic is a beard, scowls at his bald friend, also with a beard, and goes, where'd Gary take rounds? The bald man's all, his female artery. 50 cents all. You need half a dollar for my thoughts. 
He raises his hand for a high five that never comes. The lead robber's all. Bald friend, go back and stare at the cops. Fitzgerald, we got issues. We're cocktailers now. A word appears over his face, annoying him. It's all merriment. (laughs) Perfect name for that character. Gerard finally drags his ass to the donut crime scene at the crack of noon. He's all, what do we got here, boys? (laughs) Could Russell Crowe do that, Tom? (laughs) He looks like Gerard Butler always does. So his white friends all, rough night. Gerard smirks and starts eating donuts off the pavement. Mmm, jelly. The FBI guy's all, that's blood, you idiot. Great, now I have to dust your tongue for prints. Gerard's all, huh. It's no stranger to dust. I'm going to go check the alley here for some coffee stains to wash this down. Swab it, detail it. I look over at Lena Hetty falling in slow motion beside me and go, Gerard in this looks like that nun on Thrones who kept saying shame at you. One you later uh, set up with the mountain for those. She was his girlfriend. Um, she keeps falling. After Gerard comes back from the valley with coffee all over his shirt and garbage on his face and a crying Indian <laughs> dingus, he points at a grieving widow of one of the truck guards and goes, "This thing's tits." The FBI guy's all, "I don't like you." Gerard's all, "I like you. You're a vegetarian." The FBI guy's all, "I'm a vegan." Gerard burps and goes, you pausing for dramatic effect? <laughs> the director's all, Gerard, um, just stick to the scripted lines, please. Don't just <laughs> editorialize on the other performances as your character. <laughs> just three walls. Some words appear over Gerard's paunch. They're all large Gerard. <laughs> <laughs> They slowly merge into one word, Lord Gerard, because in his stomach everything mixes. Later, as Gerard's wife comes out onto the driveway dragging their daughter into someone's car, he's all, come on, that text, you look hot sucking my dick. I meant to send that to a donut at the crime scene. I was going to send you one too. Hello, cut and paste. His wife's all, come on, Connor, we're going to go sit at grandma's and do nothing. (laughs) Gerard's all. Your mom? Hey, uh, she asked about me. She drives off. He's all, at least my daughter doesn't know I'm dumb yet. He gets bored by himself and decides to go to work for once. Later in a police room, he's all, inside job, I need a Pepto. Speaking of which, doesn't a black guy I've never met work at Ziggy's Hofbrau? One of the other cops all, sir, you don't work in this precinct. Later in a bar, hey, bartender, I'm Gerard. I'm not a cop at all. Just a crime-loving perp, like most of you people. Yep, not a cop. Did I mention? 10-4. You have the right to remain silent. I mean, uh, crime is cool. (laughs) The bartender's all, um, yeah, um, you want something to drink? 
Ha! I get it. Loose lips sink ships. Speaking of torpedoes, I'd fuck you. <laughs> JK, me and a black guy, what? Well, bye. He throws up on himself and staggers out. The bartender looks at us. Some words are all Donnie. That night when his shift ends, Donnie goes out to his car, gets in, shuts the door, starts the car, puts it in a drive, drives it home, parks it in size. Eventually, a pair of fat arms spring on him from the back seat. Gerard's like, gotcha! <laughs> he tasers Donnie and brings him to an apartment where all the other cops, I guess, he works with are roommates together. <laughs> It's the only time we see a lot of them. They don't work much. It's a single bedroom, too. Donnie's all, uh, <clears throat> I think you got me mixed up with someone in another movie. Gerard's all, heard you did the fastest California stop in California history. How fast were you going? Twelve? The cops are all, ooh, damn, woo twelve. Gerard pulls down his pants, spreads his buttocks, and goes, Know what this tattoo means? Donnie's all, You love your mommy? <clears throat> Wait, uh. Gerard walks in circles, trying to look at his back. Wait, no, this one, infecting my nipple. Donnie squints and goes, Gerard? Gerard's all, Exactly. We all have that. It's like being in a gang. It means you're fucked. Right, guys? The other cops all exchange glances and go, yeah, yeah, sure, Gerard. We all got the tattoo. Totally. Like we said. <laughs> yep. It's on there. Don't have to look. Gerard starts choking Donnie. Eventually he stops and goes, there, now I have your trust. <laughs> Donnie's all, look, man, I'm just the driver. Here's a flashback. Merriman gets into a car's passenger seat beside Donnie. Donnie's all, you better buckle your seatbelt, yo. Merriment smirks skeptically. Donnie turns the key. The car explodes. <laughs> in the compartment, Gerard's all, yeah, you just keep what you're doing, doing it. Yeah, we'll be in touch. We're the bad guys. Just ask the donuts. Donnie gets bored and leaves. Back at the den, 50 Cent watches as Merriment washes some money, then sticks it in the microwave to make salads. Merriment's bald friend's all, hey, I think we should get out of the business. Merriment's all, no. The bald friend's all, okay. The next day, Merriment drives Donnie to a parking garage, points to an adjacent building, and goes, <clears throat> Torrance DMV, you even look at it once, they ask you to leave. You look again, every Secret Service agent in the country kills you. 53 break-ins in 1682. So far, only thing anyone's ever managed to steal is the lobby. In his police station, Gerard also has an exposition meeting. <clears throat> yeah, in 07, me and 299 naked men take on 10 million black guys on elephants. We lose the battle. <laughs> <laughs> we lose terribly and I get my head cut off. Tom falls asleep during the sequel. Later says it's the best movie he's ever seen. In the bad guy's exposition room, not den, Merriment points to his fax machine and goes, every Tuesday, the Treasury destroys $30 million in a paper shredder by accident. Also, remember, you got to dial nine first. Gerard points to his arts and crafts thing on his wall with a bunch of yarn running between headshots. In 05, you have the uh, Chilean Beantown connection in the parking garage, <laughs> Merriment's hall. In a $100 bill room, 
in the Treasury, the Feds write every serial number under their hands. Then they draw those pyramids with the eyes on them, too. Thomas Jefferson is obviously high as fuck. Donnie sighs and looks at us, bored. Crosscut to Gerard. He lights and smokes two cigarettes, taps his wall yarn angrily. February 69, McCheese gets whacked. Car bomb. Just like Casino and the boat and the second mechanic. Everybody suspects Hamburglar. But look how Ronald's sweating in this funeral footage. Plus, you need four hands to rig a car bomb. He taps Grimace's headshot. I mentioned this guy's cousin's Irish. In the parking garage, Merriment points at Donnie's yawning mouth and goes, We're not going in that way. We're going in this way. He points at nothing. Donnie's all, I wasn't listening. Merriment's all, Since your superpower is driving, Donnie, we're going to have you pose as a food delivery guy with a small bladder. Then we'll need you to hide in a suitcase like the Asian guy in Ocean's Eleven and move money around <laughs> while I stand in a nearby room wearing an earpiece and keep telling you to hurry. So that's kind of like driving for you, right? <laughs> Hiding, delivering food. Remember? Donnie's all. I was listening that time, but I forgot it all. A few feet away in the same parking garage, I thought, an old man hands Gerard some papers. Gerard tries to read one, then goes, guess I'm getting divorced. His, his black friends all, from the guy that handed you the papers just now? Well, he does dress way better than you. He could do way better, yeah. The next day, Donnie delivers lunch to some horny black ladies at the DMV, but then accidentally trips and loses some in the ceiling and the women's bathroom. <laughs> He, he may be good behind the wheel, but he's a clumsy fool, if you ask me. In the cafeteria, as the black ladies watch him walk out to go pee, <laughs> one's all, Oh, even when a shape of water man flat, he got a bulge down there. Mm, mm, mm. Remember? An annoyed cafeteria worker's all, Hey, ladies, we sell food here. That night, 50 sent his daughter's prom date into his garage. <laughs> Shows him a bunch of his friends standing around doing nothing in the garage. 50 cents off. My daughter's also dating these guys. See you at 1130. The kid's all buck. I was going to bring her ass back at 9, 1130. Sweet. To celebrate his daughter's deflowering, Merriment and his friends go to Benny Haas. Suddenly, a drunken Gerard walks up to their table, pukes on Donnie and goes, Hey, man. I know you from the gym. Oh. <laughs> Don't tell them I'm a cop. <laughs> Act natural. They'll blow my cover. <laughs> yeah, the gym. You and me, bro. <laughs> he drops his badge on the floor, farts on Merriman, and goes, Oh, hey, you, man, didn't you go to high school? I went to South Torrance, number 68. So close. <laughs> hey, get out of here, man. Me and my boys here trying to have a nice dinner. It's my friend's daughter's prom night, okay? You're ruining it. It's like you're trolling a prom night, kid. It's mean. Gerard eventually gets the hint and leaves. He celebrates outing his informant and getting banned from Benny Hines by going to his wife's divorce party to borrow a pen. He's all, here, bitch, I'll sign your stupid papers. Gerard Bolter. <laughs> a man in a shirt's all, hey, get out of here, you brute. You're sitting on my quinoa. 
Ah, fuck you, man. Just kidding. Give me a hug. Hey, don't touch me. <laughs> you call that a hug? My character's awesome in this. He trips over some cats, opens a door, then walks into a closet and shuts the door. They wind up having a call, locksmith. Meanwhile, at work, Gerard's black friend keeps a picture of Gerard in a tutu on his monitor. He smiles at it affectionately. That's the end of that scene. Later, Donnie somehow tracks down Gerard in a shoe store trying on ties. Friends at the gym? What the fuck? Gerard's all, you should have seen me ruin the dinner I went to after that. <laughs> now, when's the end of the movie happening? Friday. You better wear your best. He leaves. He just came to tell him that. Gerard can't find anything he's not too fat to wear, so he goes to a gun club and shoots lamely at nothing. Merriment comes in, stands in the lane next to him, and fires at his target. He empties his gun quickly, reloads, does it again a few more times, then smirks and walks out. Gerard smirks back, even though he's alone now, then retrieves Merriman's target to check his handiwork. He sees that every one of Merriman's bullets all missed the target's head by a huge margin. Gerard crumples it up, relieved. To celebrate coming in second at the shooting contest, he goes to a strip club. A stripper whispers to him. He whispers back, I can't hear you. She's all wet. When Gerard wakes up the next morning, he finds Merriman in his apartment taking his gun apart. <laughs> Merriman tricks him by leaving. Merriman has a chest tattoo. I think it says barf. Can't really see. Gerard goes to visit his daughter in prison. He leaves <laughs> Boy, that was a tough divorce. JK. He leers at her through the chain link fence and goes, What about the honey bear? He good. Ha. His daughter laughs uneasily. Female prison guards all, Hey, no touching. Guards all, I gotta go. Bye, monkey. His daughter's all, It's Marsha. <laughs> He makes her fist bump him through the fence so her hand gets stuck. Gerard gets in his car, puts his hand over his eyes, then laughs hysterically at how dumb Olympus's fallen was. <laughs> a word's all Friday, not the movie. Mary Mint hands a gun to Donnie and goes, and the bullets come out here. Ow! <laughs> Later in an Orange County bank, Okay, this is a robbery. Everybody walk two steps forward, take out your cell phones, and put them in this bag. Anybody need to use the bathroom, take a piss on yourself. But be sure to flush. No, Donnie, not you. No, sir, I said forward. No, your cell phones. No, don't pick one out of the bag you like better and keep it. <laughs> Eventually, outside. This is the mayor of the police. I'm uh, sorry this is my daughter's trumpet I'm shouting into. A little mix-up at the house this morning. What are your demands? Merriman picks up a phone in the bank and goes, Oh, we need a helicopter and enough fuel to get us to San Diego. There's another bank there I want to rob. Doesn't open till 10. And we'll shoot a hostage or one of ourselves if we run out every hour. Every hour, yeah. Till our demands are rejected. The mayor's all, What? Merriman's all, you just killed a hostage. Merriman hangs up, takes a woman into the bathroom, makes her shoot his gun at something, then begs her to be quiet. <laughs> Damn, they're dicks. 
Then he goes back out and picks up the phone again. The mayor's all. Okay, good work on the hostage. But it's going to take us 90 minutes to Google helicopter. Also, here's Gerard. (laughs) Hello, Marinette. Uh, Joke's on you. I couldn't put my gun back together after you left my apartment. (laughs) I ain't cuffing up, pig. Uh, Joke's on you again. I forgot my cuffs. You've just been Gerarded. Now, what do you say we play a little of my favorite Korean game? Fuck off. You start. (laughs) Oh, okay. Fuck off. He hangs up. No, no, I meant... Fuck, not again. <laughs> beep, boop, boop, beep, beep. Boop. Hello? Um, it's uh, Gerard. I was calling about the fuck off thing. But hang on, I got another call. One second. Oh, voicemail. Hello? Um, it's, it's, it's Gerard. I was calling about the fuck off thing. <laughs> Fuck, hang on a second, I got another call. One second. <laughs> Message saved. Meanwhile, Donnie delivers things to the black ladies at the DMV again. Good <laughs> callback. Meanwhile, Donnie delivers Chinese food to the black ladies at the DMV again, but this time forgets to cook it properly. They get annoyed. His problems worsen when there's a blackout and he accidentally gets stuck in a box of money. In a nearby standing room, Merriman, cleverly disguised as a famous bank robber in a police uniform that everyone in the city is looking for, whispers into his earbud, maintain the perimeter. Donnie rolls his eyes. He finds the money in the box with him annoying, so he dumps a bunch of it out on the floor. Back in Orange County, Gerard walks into the bank and goes, okay, I give up, shoot me. What the, they're gone. His black friends all, hey, yo, two women at the DMV just got some bad Chinese food. <laughs> Gerard's all, marinant. <laughs> no one ever scowls that word till now. He drives across town, finds Donnie stupidly walking around in the open whistling, <laughs> picks him up, <laughs> then cuffs and beats him up and makes him sit in the back seat and watch him drive. Eventually, Gerard tricks the robbers by getting distantly behind them in gridlock on a congested on-ramp at rush hour. (laughs) Ha! Perfect! Those assholes that need a rearview mirror to see us coming up with guns behind them now. (laughs) Boom! Plus, there's only a few hundred civilians in the way. Genius, thy name ends in rard. Gerard and his black friend get out and start shooting everybody in the cars, steadily working their murderous way towards Merriman's truck. (laughs) Merriman and 50 Cent shoot back, but not as well. 30 minutes of screen time later, Gerard stands over a wounded Merriman. This is Merriman, by the way. I know they sound a little similar. Fuck, I really had a good feeling about Operation Lame Chinese Food. Wait, you shot me through my best? And I missed you every time? After all that setup in the shooting range scene? Gerard's all Looks like when you took this gun of mine apart this morning You should have at least taken one or two uh, Crucial pieces with you Now for our rematch Fuck off He takes a gun out of his sock and empties it Eventually hitting Merriman When Gerard and another character get back to the car They find Donnie gone Gerard's all Damn it Guess you're right about leaving the key in those cuffs 
He upends a trash bag and some dog biscuits fall out, ruining his upholstery. What what are we supposed to do with these? Make snow globes? To celebrate all the civilian deaths and loss of the money, he goes to Donnie's bar to celebrate. The bartender's white now, but just to make sure, Gerard's all, uh, Donnie in? He left some snow globes in my car. The guy's all, no, he walks off. Gerard stares at walls till he finds one with a picture of Donnie on it, coaching girls soccer. (laughs) Gerard does a spit take, then laughs cheerfully. There's a picture of a guy who used to work here. (laughs) A crazy world, man, shit. It's wild. What a bartender he was. Across the street at a different bar called Donnie's Don't Tell the Cops, some British guys come in and go. <laughs> like it lights up the neon. Some British guys come in and go, Oi, crikey, bleeding. Donnie's all, Hey, don't you guys own a diamond-shaped store? Beer's on me. Some words tell other people stuff while I pee. In an Easter egg, the prom date kids all, Cooler dad and all those assholes from the garage are dead. Guess who's getting some tonight? <laughs> he opens his mouth and sprays Banaka in his eye. The end. Only <sighs> one, my stomach hurts. Den of thieves. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you oh, so I... much. Talk all right. Stuff, oh, my God. Know. Okay. Uh, I did I not... I love your Gerard Butler throat clearing thing. <laughs> He's really just Russell Crowe, but Australian. <laughs> That's how I find him in my. Uh, <sighs> All right. Well, Dingus, why don't you go first? What's a movie that's uh, better than Den of Thieves, a movie that's not quite as good at Den of Thieves? Uh, and what did you think of this? All right. So uh, I, my, better, my man. theme was. Um, Movies that are—it's kind of a vanity project thing because Jar Butler uh, was a producer on this, and I think oh. that it really shows in the editing of this movie. <laughs> I want a movie where I'm fat. <laughs> I want a movie where I'm constantly doing scenes that shouldn't be in a movie. In this, well, and real quick, just so, to, just to get ahead. to that to get to that point that you're making there, Dingus, uh, the guy who directed this is a guy who wrote. London has fallen. Yeah. Uh, so presumably, he uh, you know built up a relationship of some sort with Gerard Butler. There, he wrote this script. I'm guessing that he took it to Gerard Butler, and Gerard Butler was uh, obviously as a producer. He helped get it financed. So yeah, you can sort of look at the director and his previous work because this is his first directing job, and right. say yeah, this is uh, this wouldn't have happened without Gerard Butler somehow being involved. So yeah, you're right. I I looked at it. I I hooked it in a different way. I, I looked at it. Well, I don't know. I don't actually know from any interviews, but I imagine the two of them kind of hooking up during the uh, during the filming of London Has Fallen, which I still I love that movie so friggin' much. <laughs> um, I watched it again uh, and then listened to Kelly Wan's opsis of it, which is hilarious. Uh, but I, I really, I really do love London Has Fallen. But I just imagined. Jar Butler going, you know, hey, can you? I really like what you wrote here. Can you spool something up for me? So, um, you don't like so the these first are, one? And did he write the first one too? 
No, Christian Gutierrez no. uh, only came on for London Has Fallen. He wasn't involved okay. in the, the previous one. Yeah. He did Men Apart, which is a, um, a Vin Diesel movie, but it was, a, again, a writing The one he job. left Fast and Furious for. This is uh, Christian Gutierrez is the... Um, is just this is his first directing job as Tom right, right. but uh, but so this so this is sort of uh, projects that are that are overwrought and um, and so uh, I would put um, Machine Gun Preacher under this, uh, which is another Gerard Butler movie that just feels like him. Uh, there's there's so many scenes in this movie that just feel like. You you should have cut these scenes from this movie, and this is something that Chris Markinson says as, as well. The, these 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 scenes of of your like weird divorce signing papers thing these should not be in this kind of movie. This movie should be leaner than this, um, but it feels like a vanity project. So uh, under this, I would put Machine Gun Preacher, which I thought was okay, but I didn't like that much. Um, and then over this, I would put the Postman, which I like uh, more than most. The Postman's anybody else never did. an over. Yes, the Postman isn't over now, but it is oh. very much. Uh, it does very much feel like a bloated vanity project, and this feels like a bloated vanity project to me. Huh. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll go next because uh, I, I, for the most part, really like this, and I want to defend how long it is because. Part of what I liked about it is that it was, and maybe this is just a positive way to say too long, but part of what I liked about it is that it had a languid pace, and it allowed a lot of time for nonverbal interaction and character development. It let scenes like the leaving the house scene just sort of go on for a bit after they'd, you know, you'd seen what you needed to see, and it just kept going on. And I, it wouldn't have worked for me if I don't find Gerard Butler as watchable as I do. I really like the guy, and I really enjoyed watching someone trying to give him material. Uh, my problem with it is that I wished they had done the same for Pablo Schre- Schreiber or Schreider, mm. which is Schreiber. Yeah. Sh- for Pablo Schreiber's character, because that kind of gets to Dingus's point: is it feels a little lopsided in trying to humanize Big. Or, so they say his name is Big Nick. I don't think anyone ever calls him that. But they, it feels a little lopsided in trying to humanize Nick the, in a way. The Ed Helms, the Ed Helms guy, calls him Big Nick. Okay. Uh, well, that's his title card, so you would think that would be more prevalent. But uh, uh, but but they 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 put a lot of time. Uh, a lot of the script went into humanizing and and making him a flawed, in ways unlikable character. Uh, and I, I just wish they'd done the same with Merriman because I really enjoyed I'd, – I'd never seen Pablo Schreiber in anything before. I don't know that guy from Adam. Uh, actually, I've seen him in other stuff before, but he's never stood out for me. So I really liked him in this, and I wished he'd been given a similar treatment. So my over is going to be the movie that is also – that I think it is clearly an inspiration for this movie. My over is Heat where they do it's super indulgent like heat is super indulgent with how much it's going to show you with al pacino's character robert de niro's character uh and part of i think maybe the i don't know about the problem but part of the identity of heat is that it's these a-list actors and it's an ensemble of all these like celebrities like these people that you know uh and heat is just it gorges itself on that uh and i still enjoy heat a lot heat has some 
uh, some some great scenes in it that you look forward to, and I like some of the developments in it. Um, I like the weird ending kind of in Heat. So I don't like this quite as much as Heat, but I admire this movie's kind of unique, weird rhythm and pacing. Uh, and then my under would be another armored car robbery movie that uh, I, I like mainly because Paul Walker's in it, and it has a cool heist scene in it. Uh, but otherwise, it's pretty forgettable. There's a movie called Takers that F. Gary Gray did, uh, which has a uh, Paul Walker and Christian Haydenson are kind of the token white dudes in it. Uh, it's mainly a black cast, uh, I seem to recall. Um, but it has a cool armored car robbery scene, which is a heist movie. Uh, and it's not very good. It's forgettable. But I would put that, not necessarily closely bracketing, but an example of a movie trying to do this kind of you know, sprawling heist with an ensemble cast that doesn't do it as well. Uh, but I, I'd like to – so where this movie lost me and where I've decided I don't like this movie anymore, that twist ending I have serious problems with. I want no part – I just think it I, – I think it, it just collapses on itself with what it tries to do in the end, and I'm super disappointed in that. So there you go. Kelly Wan, what's a movie that's better than Den of Thieves, a movie not quite as good as Den of Thieves, and what did you think of it? Um – my the note I wrote is characters not eccentric enough except for Butler. Like he was the sure, only yeah. uh, guy kind of doing weird shit, and none of the other all the other characters seem kind of cliche. I thought. Um, yeah. And I also thought the twist at the end would have been a little better if it had, had some bearing on on Gerard Butler's character at all. But instead, I wasn't sure why he would care. Like he's gonna let the case go now because it's dying. <laughs> Like, his relationship with Dottie isn't interesting enough to go, oh, so he's going to let him slide. It kind of reminded me of the Logan Lucky uh, ending, where... I forget well, don't, don't ruin that for people, because people might not have seen it. All right, well, I was like, what? Right. Why right. would why would these characters care about that? Um, so, I guess my over would be Heat 2. Um, even though he'd had a more iconic gunfight, and... Um, I did like the acting in this, though, and uh, I guess my under is Inside Man, because that was another movie where you're following both sides during mm-hmm. the thing, and there's like mm-hmm. a twist on the robbery kind of thing. So you but, would uh, say you liked this better than Inside Man? Yeah, Inside- I didn't like Inside Man. Oh, you didn't like Inside? Okay. Oh, okay. wow. Okay. Well, I didn't like, I didn't think the characters connected interestingly. Like, the only good twist is the Clive Owen location. Like, I go, oh, that's kind of cute. But I didn't get why Jodie Foster. I didn't get what she was doing, okay. or why she and Denzel Washington would. Why I should give a shit about them, anyway. So then, then the twist at the end of this did it, did it bother you guys? So, because I think normally this twist would be. It felt a like twi- a twist. Well, it is a twist. I mean, it, what did we find out that you know there's a there's a this this ancillary character who I guess maybe the clue is that he gets a title card when no one else does, but we find out that he is the puppet master of right. everybody else uh, and that he's playing everyone. Uh, and we just thought he was a minor character. But and so I don't, what? I don't, well, <laughs> so, well, the so what Kelly Wand would be, normally that twist would happen if Merriman had prevailed. Because it would you're, you're, when you talk about right. how it does it, what is Gerard, right. Gerard Butler does it, he doesn't care. It, the, the, the twist is that Merriman has been completely betrayed uh, so that – you know, if you want that twist in there, you make it where Merriman kills Gerard Butler and he's going to get away, and then he discovers, oh, he just got played. But because Merriman is dead, the guy who got betrayed. Gerard gets lucky. 
George, I mean, George, you're right. George doesn't care. It has no bearing on him. Uh, it, it basically, it's just making it easier for this guy to get away with what he was already going to get away with anyway. Uh, so I, it just felt weird. And it also didn't... It doesn't make it, any sense, I don't think. Remember it really doesn't. It really doesn't. It, I think that... I think that uh, no, and, uh, to, to your point real quick, uh, I, I have to say that Chris Markinson says that um, he was cheering for Schreiber's to somehow win. <laughs> he, he really... I think he... And like what you were saying about the balance, I think uh, Chris Markinson kind of felt the same way. But I, I think that um, I think that the character leaves way too much to chance, and it it doesn't Donnie, make any sense. As far sense. as like what Donnie, Donnie, was. Donnie yeah, yeah. he leaves way too much to chance. Like that whole uh, all that stuff with the the cops in the in the uh, motel room. Uh, I mean. There's the, it, it for him to be the mastermind and leave that much to chance is ridiculous to me, and and I just didn't you know I I and I kind of felt like that uh, uh, Christian um, God Gutegast, uh is telegraphing a lot of this. I mean I I mean I hated that sort of like let's look at Ice Cube's kid in the back of the car for a couple of more minutes. Uh, I, I get where you're going. Okay, can we just get there, please? Um, so I was really frustrated by that because I didn't think that this brilliant, brilliant mastermind character, I thought it was just in the service of a script, and it felt like he was leaving way too much to chance, and it didn't make any sense to well, me. Well, to, to be fair, though, to Donnie leaving things to chance, a lot of things got screwed up. Like, I don't think he – he obviously didn't intend to get picked up by the police, like that. That was a. He that didn't? was. A, I don't think so. He did seem surprised, and he gets punched. But then he also he has like a good. No, I mean story. either time. Like he, if you if you look at the movie, oh, and the, I, right. I I actually got to sit down with a, a friend of mine who we saw the movie with, and I don't know that I would have come across some of this without unpacking it back and forth with her. Um, but and I think actually there is a germ of something really clever here that doesn't really get borne out in the kind of movie this is because this is not this movie is not usual suspects and this is the kind of twist that would happen at the end of usual suspects right. this is a at times cliched but i think very competent and interestingly directed heist movie but what i think christian gudegast wants to have done it's a weird tense there but what i think he <laughs> wants to have done is made a, a movie that has that kind of like reservoir dogs or usual suspects unreliable narration in the middle of it. Um, when Donnie is caught um, by the cops, he is, you know, he's so, so Donnie, this was his plan all along. Donnie tells the cops that he doesn't know anything about it, that Merriman came up with it. And all of that is a lie. That scene that Donnie describes about being in the uh, in a backyard at a pool party and meeting Merriman, that never happened. That's Donnie inventing that, just like some of the scenes that Kevin Spacey well, – many of the – all the scenes that Kevin Spacey uh, spools out in Usual Suspects. Um, Donnie being a driver, that is not true. That is not true. He lies to the cops in that room. He lies. That driving scene that we see, that never happened. Oh really? I don't yeah. agree with any of that. 
Okay. I, mean, well, I, what... I, I, I like the construction. I like the idea of it. Well, I, I think the movie. I don't I think, think the... that the. I don't think there's that supported. I think that. Yeah, the movie is absolutely supported. That's the point of I think the twist because what we see during after uh you know Gerard Butler's revelation at seeing the soccer uh the soccer picture we see um. In direct contradiction to the scene before that shows them meeting, we see Merriman saying to Donnie, okay, I like your plan, and, and Donnie's spelling it out for him. I like your plan, but we're doing it my way with my crew. Right. Uh, that Donnie has come to Merriman with this plan. Merriman did not come to Donnie. Donnie was not brought to a pool party right. to meet Merriman and say, hey, I'm going to be your driver, which also makes, makes you know part of the silliness to me, which I think – isn't that obvious? Uh, what, if he's the driver, why is he inside the money oh, yeah. box? Because he was never a driver. He was not a driver. That was a lie that he no, said that was to a, the police. That was a construction for the crew, too, because uh, it, are you telling me now that the whole uh, – the vat of, uh, of hydrochloric acid and I'm putting the gun at your head was made up, too? Nope, just the stuff in the room with Gerard Butler. Well, I, I think that all of those are of a piece, and I think that that's um, – The thing is you, you have to – here's the thing is you have to choose which scene you believe. The scene where Merriman comes to Donnie and – or, or where Merriman uh, – where the plan is made by Donnie brought to Merriman or the scene where Donnie is brought to Merriman. You have to choose whether it's Merriman's plan or Donnie's plan. And if you choose that it's Donnie's plan, which is what the movie leaves us with, the scene where Donnie is brought to Merriman and said, hey, here's a driver. And then Merriman says, OK, let's go test your driving skills. That scene did not. Oh, happen. I see what you're saying. OK. Uh, and so therefore, that cool little driving scene, because part, I felt cheap. like I saw that driving scene. I was like, OK, this is cool. We better get to see Donnie use this in, in, a, in a chase scene. Like, I, I hope this is setting us up for a chase scene. And I think part and of the reason is packed into a into a box of money but but because i think he was never a driver i just hmm. don't think he was a guy that came to he was a guy that came to merriman with sketches on cocktail napkins for how to rob the the federal reserve well i think that this is kind of where the script falls apart then because i think that both of those things <laughs> I don't see it as in the same. I mean, this is something that Markinson says as well. This is no usual suspects. I mean, this doesn't. I don't think this stands up that way. Oh, no, and I agree. But but and that's why I say I think that's the movie that Christian Gutigast would have liked to have made. <laughs> like I think that that was kind of latent in the script, and that okay. was the twist. Instead, we get this kind of indulgent heat-like movie that lets Gerard Butler be a little wacky. Um, but I agree. But I, I do think that that is. That, that all the stuff that Donnie tells the cops is all unreliable narrator stuff and misdirection to the audience. Well, and, I, and, and the fact that it's – oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, the fact that it's not that clear during the reveal because I didn't think of it at the time. It was just in talking to my friend this morning. The fact that it's not that clear during the reveal is a shortcoming of, I, I think, the direction. Okay. I Well, I think he's – I think the movie that he – also wanted to have made is heat because there's a constant through line of heat stuff in this. Right. I mean, Evan Jones character, Cheddar Bob's character is uh, named <laughs> Wayne. Bosco. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. He's named Bosco and there's a Bosco in heat. Well, and I thought you were going to compare him to Wayne Grow uh, in heat. 
Well, he is basically that same dude. I mean, the, the same thing happens. In right, the guy who freaks out and shoots the guard when it didn't need to happen. Yeah, yeah. Right, but Bosco, he's called you know Brian Bosco Overman or or Peckerwood, I think is what, um, what uh, Gerard Butler calls him. But um, but there's but uh, Bosco is the cop played by Ted Levine in Heat. I mean, I'm going to meet Bosco is what. Uh, Al Pacino is talking about in the morning of Heat going to meet Bosco, and I th- I don't think that's a mistake. And I think there's a lot of there's a lot of connective tissue between these two movies. And I think that that's what he was trying to do, and I think he's cribbing way too much uh, and not doing something that's as good. Even though I really did like, I mean, I I have to say I was on board for this movie at the beginning of it. Um, I loved the. I loved the sound of it. I loved the shooting of it. I loved the – one of the things I loved most about it was the language, was this this sense that um, – I don't know if you would call it patois or this 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 feeling that, that these criminals and these cops have their own special language that they refer to things the, in the ways that they refer to things. Uh, I mean, I, even just like – tack up i mean there there are a lot of different things that they do that the script does uh that i really liked that that feel like this is their own special language that they're using both these criminals and these cops are using this language together uh and i really really liked that but um but where i would diverge from you tom um because i i you know my thing about heat was uh, i really really love the movie heat um, but I often have said that I, I wish it were either an hour shorter or two hours longer, uh, because it, it has the feeling of an epic, but it doesn't quite get there. Um, this just, I think there's too much of that. We're hanging out with, uh, my family and I mean, I, you make a good argument about like the leaving the house thing. Slow down, slow down, slow down. That that whole thing as she's leaving the house. Uh, but I don't believe that thing outside the the fence. Uh, this is something Mergenson says as well. I don't believe that thing outside of the fence with the daughter. I don't believe that that no teacher that that a teacher at recess is going to let the shabby guy just. Oh, who's that? creepy looking guy over there talking to one of my kids outside the fence. I don't believe that. Um, and, and I don't, that, and I don't believe that whole divorce. I'm, I'm, I'm interrupting the divorce, the, uh, the dinner party to sign my divorce papers. I don't believe any of that. And uh, I think that, that's just self-indulgent. Some of the, uh, one of the things that uh, I was most disappointed in is that that language that you're talking about, Dingus, uh, sets them and some of the things that you see sets this up as, as it's going to be a, a really smart uh, movie that's not going to assume the audience is dumb. And right, I, right. I and it's also not going to assume the characters are dumb. I really loved, for instance, we find out uh, that they staged the armored car robbery around the airport because police helicopters wouldn't have clearance. Like I was right. like, wow, that's a really cool idea. You know, I love that that's just a little detail in the script. You know, I like this idea, even though I don't think it would be practical, uh, this idea that they put a, a bleach bomb in the car uh, mm. when, I mean, really just wear gloves if you can interact with a stolen car. But but just this idea of a bleach bomb, that was kind of cool. And watching I have a play- countermeasure for it, like they're ready for bleach bombs. 
I, I guess so. Yeah, like I'd never seen a bleach bomb before. I'd never heard of that in a movie. So that was a kind of a cool detail. Uh, foiling the dye packs by putting it in the sink. <laughs> that was That's cool. a cool idea. Yeah. Uh, at a certain point, uh, Gerard Butler asks for a Palantir run. I have no idea what that is, but I know what? Lord of the Rings. So didn't he ask for that? Did that not? I'm pretty sure I heard him Maybe. ask for a Palantir run. Which I think is just a like a check on databases, maybe. Uh, I don't. I just was inferring from from the the word, but I, I just that was kind of smart to not explain, just say that instead of have the FBI go through the FBI database or whatever. Run his prints, you know. He orders a Palantir run. Um, I like the reveal too that they're military because as military men, they're trained to shoot uniforms, not civilians. Like that was kind of a cool reveal as well. So. I'm getting set up for what I think is going to be a really smart movie with these yeah. kinds of details, but really dumb things happen, like the scene where, oh, you can look like a homeless guy talking to a little tiny six-year-old girl on a, on a playground, and nobody's going – and the teacher's going to be like, come on, Carly. Come on. It's time to come in. Like she's not going to run over there and snatch a child away from this scary guy. Uh, and it gets progressively dumber, by the way. Leading I thought maybe up, she knew him. It could be. I mean, I mean here's the one that I had a problem with. Uh, that final shootout staged in traffic is yeah. so colossally dumb. That is yeah. not how – but first of all, why don't the bad guys just grab the sacks of money and run? What is with their decision to engage the police in a, in a firefight? You know, what, 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 I don't even understand the motivation behind that. Uh, and, and if Merriman had been developed more, if Christian Gudegast's script and wanted to make a character that ha- stayed and had that firefight, great. But that's not this movie that I saw. This guy would, these guys would take the money and flee on foot. Um, but no, they decide to have the firefight. And even stupider, the cops doing this. You know, Ugh. you do not engage. You you tail suspects until they're in a place where where innocent bystanders won't get hurt, and that's how chases work. That's how arrests work. Uh, and Gerard yeah, they Butler, initiated it. exactly them getting out of the cars and running First. up this and then banging on people's cars, saying "Stay down, get behind the engine block." That was so inane. And it was so that we could have a cool shootout in traffic, which I appreciate that as an action scene. But I had been set up to think we were going to get a smart movie about plausible criminals who did smart things and cops who were actual cops. Um, so the, the progressive dumb – and then all that just culminated in that dumb twist. Like, oh, Ice Cube uh, – you know, O'Shea Jackson was behind it the whole time. Um, that shootout could have been justified a lot of ways. Too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's been... the thing. These were dumb things that, that could have been worked out if – Exactly, like a few lines in the script or whatever. These things could have been made less dumb, right? Having Gerard decide to do it there makes him seem like a terrible idiot. <laughs> well, not just that, but having <laughs> these other men also go, okay, yeah, sure, let's do it. And no yeah. one say, why don't we just follow them for a while? They're not going anywhere. Right. And why don't we get and a helicopter? And that's why they can't get them traffic. Like, oh. Yeah. Uh, I, I just and, – and, you know, even things like uh, the fact that they just happened to drive by Donnie, recognizing his red shirt, while they're tearing around downtown L.A., hoping to get news of a bank robbery. See, what? that's the thing. I thought, I and thought the whole Donnie Chinese, was supposed to get like, up there. We're going to go yeah. get the Chinese, the guy who delivered the Chinese food. That never goes anywhere. Well, I think what we're supposed to do is think, oh, that's going to fail. Well, that's another thing, too. Uh, if Donnie is such a mastermind, his, his, well, his plan almost failed 
based on some sassy black ladies getting indignant about their cold food. If they'd gotten indignant a few seconds earlier, his whole plan would have fallen apart. Right, because they would have called down to, to security while he was still in that little room. You can't just leave Chinese food sitting over a restroom for two days or however long <laughs> it sat there. I mean, that's just dumb. It's a it's dumb construction. I think I don't understand it, and I don't understand why he just drops like Christian Goodegas just sort, sort of drops those kind of little plot lines. Just and then oh look oh I see a black SUV in the distance. That's it. Right. Let's let's go after that guy. And How even to this, feel, go ahead. Go ahead. No, well, this idea too that they're going to get thirty million dollars out of there in hundreds in hundred dollar bills. Those like I don't know ten twelve little black baggies that O'Shea Jackson fills. That's not. <laughs> there was. It, it seems to me there was more money in those square things that they took out of the bank. Like what? That's not right, what thirty million dollars looks like. <laughs> I mean, at, at, at a certain point, you just turn into bearer bonds or something if you can't deal with the logistics of moving that many bills, which right. is what we're being set up for. Um, at least, you know, at least to its credit, and I didn't care for this movie at all or the heist in it, you know, Logan Lucky acknowledges it takes some serious logistics to move a lot of cash. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and this is nope, as long as O'Shea Jackson has, you know, two, you know, two minutes to pack garbage baggies, small ones, uh, full of. Hundred dollar bills, yeah, thirty million dollars. No, <laughs> God. So the how thing you, is, like, oh, go ahead. How yeah. do I feel about it? Yeah, well, I just want to say, you, yeah, the I, more I, the more know. I talk about and unpack the the script and the plotting and stuff, just the less I like it. But as I was watching right. it, I, I did enjoy it. It just took me a while to realize this movie was dumb. <laughs> yeah, it's super dumb. Uh, how do you feel about the civilians being conveniently shuttled off? And this is something that Markinson said as well. Uh, Kelly, I'm guessing because it's an R rating, we should have had more civilian casualties, right? Well, yeah. I mean, and that's what I thought the point of the shootout in the gridlock would be. But it made me think of the Sicario one, which was way more interesting and more oh. suspenseful that's and what more tactical. I knew, oh, I knew Kelly, I'd seen that great. recently. I knew – I was like, oh, yeah, I've seen this in a movie recently. What was it? You're absolutely right, and It's Kelly, the Mexican honestly. border, so it's even more like, oh, shit. And like everyone in the cars is like – they kind of act like, yeah, we go through this all the time. There's always shootouts in this. you got to just – it's just part of your commute, so it's even yeah. weirder. Yeah. Well, is this Dang, was just a great, random. That's a great connection, Kelly. I like that. I mean, I like the idea of a gridlock shootout. It's just they don't even use it for that though, because they just get then they're running through the. I don't know. It seemed like they it, things got awfully easier for Gerard at, towards the end. The civilians definitely vanish. I mean, you, the you civilians yeah. vanish. They, hit, they make all their shots, and the bad guys don't. And the bad guys have better guns, I thought. And have been set up as being crack, or at least you know they're military. The bad guys are military. These are these are cops who hang out with hookers and drink a lot. Yeah, uh, they pretend to have a bank full of hostages, and they're getting a helicopter, and they give all that up for that. <laughs> the end. I didn't had it. I did. No I do hostages. have to say. I kind of enjoy because so Dingus, is that where you were going? This idea of the the lack of civilian casualties. Well, that's what Chris Markinson was was asking yeah. about as well because we've talked about that a number of times, like with one of the Fast and Furious movies and with uh, one of the Die Hard movies, with just this, or even with uh, a Superman movie where just people are just destroyed, uh, you know, cars driving over their cars. But they made a point in this movie of everybody get out, get down, everybody get out, get down. And people are running away and running away and running away. And you don't see any of that happening. And it's an R rated movie. 
it, it really is. Uh, I think a lot of movies are just reluctant to, you know, the whole chase in the French Connection begins because Popeye Doyle sees a, a, a woman get shot accidentally by the sniper, but by, by like a, a, an innocent bystander uh. getting killed, uh, and that's a horrific thing. And movies knew it, but would still do it. Like I seem to recall, even in Total Recall or something dumb like that, like in Schwarzenegger movies, like innocent people would get shot all the time. Uh, yeah. Right, but these days it's just uh, it, for whatever. I mean, it's an R-rated movie, and it looked like it was trying to be gritty. So I don't know why they shot. When well, you're away putting from that them stage. in the gridlock, if you just want to shoot out, no, like, why are you moving it there? Why is the scene taking place there? Yeah. You're losing the one thing that's making it interesting. Well, and if I, he's going to pull out a saw, then why not just have a grenade launcher and blow up all the cars that are between the two of the vehicles, and then yeah. off. And I mean, why not just run off? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that's the thing, well, he, too, is once he pulls out that, that saw, I figure, oh, gee, because he starts opening fire when presumably there's still civilians around. And he's firing through the the windshields of the different cars down the length of the, the traffic of the road. Uh, right. And I was like, wow, that's and, – and it also was weird because they had set up before, and this is one of these cool details, they're military. They shoot uniforms, not civilians. That's not you know, when you set up a saw to oh. fire blindly through no all uniforms. of these cars. Yeah, and there's this, you know, there's presumably still civilians there. Um, See, in Heat, De Niro's character is going to be scot free, but then he makes a something gets a hold of him. I forget. I think it's the girl related or something. And then he winds up going back, and that's how Pacino gets him. But in this, it's just bad luck that the criminals. I would. Off. I wouldn't even say. Oh, Kelly so the wouldn't. Amy Brenneman character is what you're talking. Right. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's bad luck so much as it's just the, at the script decided that's the way it wanted it to go. Right. But right. it should have something to do with Gerard's character or Merriman's character. Right. Right. Exactly. But, and it has nothing to do with either of them. I think some of that civilian stuff is lip service to Heat as well, because the in the in the bank thing in Heat, the, De Niro says, "We're not here for you. We're here for your money." Uh, and you know, all of your money is insured. We're here for the money for the from the bank. All of your money is insured by the uh, federal government. Don't worry about it. We're not here for you, so just chill, everybody. And the, the, that same, almost that same thing is said in this movie, um, which is why I just think that Christian Goodgast watched The Heat and just like I, I would like to re- remake some of that. Which is why you know the the bank robbery capital of the world thing happens. Like, and I, I just kind of felt uncomfortable about that. I mean, you can steal from movies. I don't have a problem from that. I, I don't have a problem with that. I just want you to do it cleverly. And I don't feel like this movie did it cleverly. I, I actually enjoyed the whole WTF. Like I did the whole, what the hell is going on element when they do rob that little bank. Right. Uh, and they do the like the Rivera bank. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that part of the script, and that's part of the uh, just the, the movie and the plotting. This whole idea that what what is he doing? Um, and actually, I mean, it, yeah, certainly it, it steals from Heat, but it I think it is a pretty competent heist movie with this whole idea of saying this bank has never been robbed. We're gonna do yeah. it, and then it the spells bank, right. out this impossible heist that can never be done and it finds a little way around it. Like I kind of enjoy that in a heist movie. And that's a, that's a formula for heist movies all along, whether they're heat or not, whether they're showing the perspective of the cops or not. So I enjoyed that bit because it wasn't just, Hey, here's what we're going to do. 
and then we're going to do it, but oh, there's going to be a couple of complications. Is it going to work or not? It's, mm. hey, here's what we're going to do, but then a wrench gets thrown in the works, and they do something completely diametrically opposed, different, calling in the police, making attention, doing the, you know, terrorizing civilians. I was pretty sure they didn't shoot the hostage, but you know, why were they wanting the cops to think they shot the hostage? So I liked the the disconnect of that, like that what is going on feeling. Um, and especially because I think it did resolve that pretty well. Uh, I, I liked the idea that they needed to get that money to get into the Federal Reserve. And uh, and that they you know, this was a, a job where they'd known about the sewer. Like I, I liked how that was set up and how I was confused and looking for a payoff and an explanation and how I kinda got one. Um, I got yeah. frust- I got frustrated with it the moment he said uh, tell him it's, uh, you know make sure he knows it's on. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. it's on Friday. Make sure he knows it's on because at that point I know that all of this is going to be fake. I mean, I know the Pico Rivera thing is fake. We all it's know not fake, it's though. It's not fake. They need that. They need the money from Pico Rivera to get into the Federal Reserve. It's part of the plan all along. Right, but it's not the actual bank robbery. They're actually right, right, right. The bank right. banks. Right. Yeah. And that's the whole thing. It's like I knew too. Like, well, wait, they're not. And I mean, I wouldn't say fake. I mean, well, yeah, I was wondering, what the hell are you guys doing? Uh, you know, fake or not. I had no idea what was going on. And I like when a movie does yeah. that to me. And right. I like when a movie does that to me and doesn't leave me there. I like when a well, movie does that to me. And then, yeah, the brazenness of it. And when it does that, because these guys were trying to fly under the radar and uh, and suddenly they're calling in cops and they're doing things that will make a SWAT team storm the building. Um, and so they know I, the and, cops are on him and they're still going through with it. Yeah, and he's super cool about it too. Right, uh, like he it, he knows that this is the way that he wanted it to go. Because here's the thing: early on, that first bit, um, and I really did like the uh, the the gunfight for the most part. The way the gunfights were shot in this movie, I really did enjoy. Yeah, that. me too. Um, and that first gunfight when they're getting the armored car, and uh, you know they have to rip out the windshield, and um, you know, and and it, and it also is clear, I think, too, that Evan Jones isn't a psycho. He does shoot the guard. Unlike Wangro, he does shoot the guard because the guard goes for his gun. You know, something's gone wrong. The guard doesn't go for his gun, though. He just freaks out. I mean, that's that's that weird moment where the coffee spills and he just he just he fucks up. I thought the guard he, went he for doesn't. his gun. Okay, I, uh, I think but, he just spilled his coffee, and that's what that's what he said. Like he just spilled his fucking coffee. What's wrong with you? Well, what else did you fuck up? Did well, you also get a tail on the way here? When uh, when we also see that the cops are closing in on them from all sides yeah. uh and and i'm what i wrote in my notes these guys suck <laughs> i was like what a, this is a terrible heist there's cops everywhere you know you're going to steal this and you're ending up having to like murder it must have been at least six cops they actually they even said i think six injuries they're going to recover and i think two deaths or something they had to shoot six cops and so i wrote in my notes, these guys are terrible uh that's because right. obviously it wasn't supposed to go that way um so that well, was another that way too, because there's a line that's like, "Now we're cop killers." Exactly, and that's when his little title card comes up. Yeah, uh, and so you're like, "Okay, well, these are these these guys. The stakes are raised for them. They're going to have to be super ruthless." Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I did guys... love that like range 100 suppressing fire. I mean, there's so much great okay. like little bits of dialogue that yeah. I love. Suppressing fire is not firing into the windshield of the police car. (laughs) Suppressing fire is a cool thing to say in a firefight, but it does not mean shoot directly into the car to kill the people inside. 
That is not what suppressing fire is, is doing. <laughs> it does suppress them, though. That is a good point. <laughs> Death is a form of suppression. You're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, had you guys seen Pablo Schreiber in anything before? It's Schreiber. No, I, lo- I Schreiber, love right? that. I love that guy. I don't. Yeah. I have never seen him. And and this friend of ours who went to see it with us, she was telling me that. He was in uh, Law and Order SVU, and I haven't seen that particular season. I think it's season fifteen, um, and I wasn't able. I wanted to watch at least a couple of episodes that he was in because I, I think that one of the things that's great about the the thing that you're talking about, Tom, the Pico Rivera Bank, which I still don't understand why the Federal Reserve doesn't know that something weird has gone on in Pico Rivera, and we have to kind of, this should be on right. our radar. Hello? Yeah, um, it'd be all over the news. But, uh, but I, be do, I, think that, I think that this is sustained because he is so good. I, I think that one of the great things about this movie is that he, he is, he, he sustains those moments yeah. uh, when he's just peeking out the window and having that phone conversation with, with Big Nick. It works because, because of him. He's, he's just got a great presence, and I would love to see him in more stuff, but I have never seen him in anything else, I don't think. You know, I just realized – I just looked it up. I cheated. I just saw him in a really weird little comedy called Big Bear uh, with a with a – an actor I really like, and he directed it and he wrote this, a guy named Joey Kern, uh, who's really funny, and he, he's going to do a movie about uh, his buddies trying to help him get over a breakup. And that sounds really stupid, and it sounds like some teen <laughs> comedy or something. But Joey Kern has a great sense of humor, and, and there's some really funny writing in Big Bear. Uh, the girl that he breaks up with starts dating another dude, so he kidnaps that dude. And it's it's almost going to be like a 44-inch chest kind of scenario. Uh, and he ends up uh, – there's some cool scenes that he has with the dude where they end up together, and he feels remorseful. And he's going to take him back, and the guy starts to get away. Pablo Schreiber, Schreiber clean-shaven, plays the guy who's the boyfriend who gets, who's going, who gets kidnapped. Um, so I just realized oh. I have seen him, and he was really good in that movie, in Big Bear. Um, so uh, – and he's – you know, he's clean shaven. He's the the, the buttoned up, straight laced guy. Uh, you know, the, your your ex girlfriend's new boyfriend. He plays that kind of character, and he does it really well. Uh, he's got such an interesting face too. Uh, he really does. He's got a really interesting look about. Him. Not, yeah, not just his face, but his mien. His, his, his the way he looks out of his eyes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is he that? Is he buff in that movie? Nope. Nope. He's not a big muscle guy. That's it. This movie was so like so testosterone-y. Oh it my god! It was very, very much. When <laughs> I was watching, I, I watched a couple of like uh, replays from uh, the uh, the football game that was played tonight. I forget what they call it, but there's this guy named Rob Gronkowski who plays for one of the teams, and it, that guy just looks like a he looks like a beast, and everybody in this movie looked like a beast. Yeah. Except for, you know, Mr. Sausage Fingers, which I think is what uh, Chris Markinson said. He, he liked the close-ups on his rings because it, it showed Gerard Butler's Sausage Fingers. <laughs> no, no, really actually, it, this is Grant Stewart. Grant Stewart is the one who said that. He said he liked the rings that Gerard Butler wore sausage. and how they drew attention to his Sausage Fingers. <laughs> and Grant Stewart said his over would have been the town. Um, oh, yeah. That's nobody's over. <laughs> and his under would have been uh, "Now You See Me" uh, due to uh, the hideous ending. Yeah. Um. And and, and Grant and Grant makes a good point. Grant says, uh, "I really cannot abide 
by that gimmick where parts of the story have been held withheld from the audience. Well, and lied to, like we were shown a flashback that we don't even know Donnie told the cops. Right. Like, and then it drove really fast, which Tom's saying didn't happen. Yep. And, and, and I even wonder if Donnie spun this tale out at the moment when he knows that they heard he got pulled over for driving 178 miles an hour. Like, I Which wonder, is that the point happened. where he did? No, that definitely happened because they because they say they you were pulled it. over. You set the record for speeding. Uh, so I think maybe and I don't know, maybe I'm giving it too much credit. But I'd like to think the idea that was that he this guy is so good at thinking on his feet that when he heard that, he then spun out this tale that he's just a driver. That's the only reason that they hired him. He doesn't know anything else that he saw that as an out. I don't know. Maybe I'm giving it. But did much. he drive that fast to get picked up on purpose? Too. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's so many things, too. Like, I didn't understand, too. So Gerard Butler has this, you know, he's kind of announcing himself several times to Merriman. Uh, he, he shows up at the gun range. He then goes, I presume, to, to hire Merriman's girlfriend, who's a stripper slash hooker, to sleep with her. I love that Kelly Wan thinks that that was Gerard Butler's apartment. Uh, and, and, and then... Merriman comes in, sees Gerard Butler there. Gerard Butler, and those that's his gun and his keys on the desk. He didn't touch he didn't take apart the gun. Gerard Butler's like challenging him. There's the gun. Go for it, tough guy. Uh, and Gerard Butler leaves, and then Merriman goes in with his girlfriend and she says, I did what you told me to. Right. Right. Well, what so did 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 Merriman know that Nick was gonna st- to hire his girlfriend to sleep with it what like like what kind of like second guessing you put it in this cup so it's that cup so i'm taking this cup how would he how is it that he tells his stripper girlfriend to do something if a cop who looks like gerard butler ever tries to hire you for a lap dance and then pay you to have sex with him afterwards what right but between now and friday yeah yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) if in the next 48 hours yeah (laughs) But make sure I, you do it after I go to the gun club and fuck his head. <laughs> I didn't even yeah. understand at the end when Merriman is dying and says, I told you. What was that? Yeah, I don't. What, I, I was like, well, you told him what? Finish the sentence. Like, what What did you tell him? Oh, I think it was when he said, no, it was, I ain't no, cuffing up. It was no up. cuffs. I ain't yeah. cuffing up. That, that's oh, all right. So that was me being dumb. Told you like shoot then. me, I win. Ha <laughs> ha. I, I like that then. Okay. Yeah, At that see? point, I was kind of I knew that um, I knew that Ice Cube's kid was going to run away with the money. But what I was hoping, did you really? God, that was blindsided by that. Well, no, they <laughs> kept cutting to him. I mean, Christian Gutierrez kept cutting to him, sitting in the back of the car, kind of rolling his eyes, like, "Oh well." The thing is, I'm so glad I'm I'm so glad I'm dumber than you. It makes movies way more fun. But uh. at that point, I was so. Uh, kind of disconnected i was hoping that gerard somehow we were going to find out that gerard butler had done it for some reason <laughs> that would have been an interesting twist <laughs> then you're then you're what up in heat i'll give you that because if yeah. al pacino's character this is the thing i didn't like the al pacino character in heat i thought he ruined heat when i saw yeah, it yeah. but i like the, the character. character he's also he he's acting is horrible I've that's what i'm saying so i would recently. take i would take yeah Oh, well, I can't remember the last Pacino movie I saw. Even the older, newer ones are bad. All right. So there's a moment in Heat where he goes to a club because uh, this informant, uh, he's got an informant who is going to hook him up with another guy. And it, you know, it's a very, this is another thing that I think 
reminds me of this particular movie we just saw. He goes to meet with Tone Loke. Do you guys remember Tone Loke? Vaguely. Mm, yeah. It's such a weird cast that you'll never see again. Okay. So Tone Loke was a, oh, okay. a, 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 a like funky cold Medina. I I forget what his song was, but but he's in this this scene with with Al Pacino and Al Pacino's like grabbing him by the neck and he's like Oh God! So that's the daughter. Portman's also the daughter. Yeah, it's just horrible. It's ho- he's horrible. He's horrible in the movie. See, I take and, De Niro and Gerard and put them in the same movie and, yeah. and make that. Well, I mean, Niro's I, I like so freaking Popper. cool. Are you guys with me though? On like, I really did enjoy uh, Gerard Butler in this. No, I enjoyed. He's him the too. only one who sticks out. Okay, for me, and Donnie should have. I get, like, and Donnie's not bad, that's the thing, but the lines aren't as good. Like, Gerard's the only one who kind of gets to be fun. I like O'Shea Jackson a lot. So, uh, there's a movie, I, I cannot, unfortunately, and this is a, I don't, I don't find Aubrey Plaza funny at all. Like, Aubrey Plaza is kind of, she doesn't work for me. So, there's a movie called Ingrid Goes West, where, uh, and Aubrey Plaza, I, they give her some cool stuff to do, I will say. But O'Shea Jackson plays her boyfriend in a kind of, a, it's kind of a romantic comedy. Um. Yeah. Uh, and I really liked him in that. And uh, of course, in Straight Outta Compton, I like that guy a lot. And I'm glad to. See, it, it's really cool to see echoes of Ice Cube in him. Uh, when he's yeah, got to say those facial expressions. So I really like watching him a lot. And I, I just really wished that they had set up or earned that twist a little bit more. Because O'Shea Jackson would have been perfect for that. Um, yeah. If it, but if we, if it hadn't been that, that's the thing. It's a twist that only works if it's a really important actor. You're like, oh. But if it was like a nobody actor, you'd go, why? <laughs> but the characters don't know he's an actor. <laughs> they don't know they're nice. Yeah. The thing I like about it is that he's 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 got this look of, of uh, and, he, and he calls to mind this, and maybe it's from Straight Outta Compton, or maybe it's just because of uh, of Ice Cube's like persona in his early days. He's got this sense of of uh, this hard dude. And he and he's so vulnerable through so much of this, and it's on uh, purpose. Yeah. Dingus, I'm afraid I'm going to have to recommend that you do see uh, Ingrid Goes West because the whole his whole character, and I wish he was in it more, uh, is that you know he's he's a, he's a black dude, uh, but he uh, confesses like his kind of secret shame is that he's really into Batman. Like the comic, <laughs> he's a DC guy. All right, well I can't. I don't know. But no, it's just really cute seeing him be like a, a tough black guy, and then when he softens, he confesses. You know, I I really like Batman a lot, and and it's not like like uh, I mean he he has like he explains like why, but uh, it's kind of the same way in uh, Rhodey when Ron Eldard is talking about how cool Blue Oyster Cult's music is. Uh, he oh, kind of okay. lets loose and gets super enthusiastic. O'Shea Jackson has a bit like that where he's talking about how much he loves Batman. And you can see, yeah, he's like a tough black guy, but he's got this sort of vulnerable side that's because he's impassioned like, about a superhero. <laughs> like the Thor groupie in Adventures in Babysitting. Wow. Kelly Wand, I've never, I like that you think I've seen that movie, but I don't know that one. Uh, it's Vincent D'Onofrio. Oh, that's the little girl. Um, I also liked. Uh, I did like Malik uh, Strouder. He's this this guy, the guy who played Luigi. I just, I really. Oh my god, him. I loved Luigi. Luigi was my second favorite character. <laughs> Wait, Luigi who worked at the Federal Reserve. Yeah. Yeah, that guy was awesome. Oh yeah, that guy. Yeah, what yeah, was his really, name? His name's Ma- uh, Malik Strouder. Okay. <laughs> and he was in. He was in a man apart. He played a, a small part. He played oh. this guy named Overdose. 
in A Man Apart. Um, and he's really good in that as well. Uh, I don't know if you remember seeing A Man Apart. Does anybody remember that? I, I don't think I have. I don't do I didn't it. see right. it. Uh, it's, it's fine. Um, I don't see movies about nonconformists. Uh, but I, I just like that the group. a lot. I, and, I, and I kind of remembered him from an early episode of, of, the, of the TV series, The Shield. But, but he's really good in this, in this small part in A Man Apart. Um, so I really liked the guy and I did like Mo McRae as well, although I don't know him. I don't think I know him from anything else. He's the, uh, he's the, the guy who's on the, the black guy who's on the force. Oh, you know what? It, yeah. Cause he's the black Riz Ahmed. I kept thinking he ah, looks just like good. Riz Ahmed. Is, 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 yeah. I like, I like that guy a lot as well. Yeah. Yeah. And so th- that weird, um, thing that he's doing with the, the loading, the gun loading thing that he's doing. Like uh, the pantomime kind of thing. Oh yeah, yeah, right. Yep. Um, this is something that I think Chris uh, Markinson called out as well. He said, like, I really liked that, but I'm not sure it really works since they're going to be using automatic weapons most of the time. <laughs> um, but it was kind of a cool little uh, addition, and so little things like that I liked. But I, uh, but I still, I still have to take exception with the, the overall editing of them. Well, that's you know, you're not going to get little things like that if you. Don't let the director have a two-hour, 20-minute running time, Dingus. Two-hour and 20 minutes. Good <laughs> and, uh, and what did our, fr- our friend said? She, she was like uh, – and she was – the first thing she said, uh, other than being frustrated with the fact that, you know, since all three of us saw it together, you and I weren't going to talk. Um, <laughs> she was like, uh, I'm, so, I, I'm so annoyed at how long this movie was. I just totally lost interest. We we had a there there was a couple in our movie theater who walked out um, right at the Siegel moment where uh, or for some reason it's not Vin Diesel uh, Gerard Butler's standing on the beach and, and birds are flying around him they they just walked out of the movie that's and, it Mildred and you know, it, it, felt like, it felt like what and then and then the dude walked back and and like picked up something from their seats and they and then they were gone for 10 they were gone and i just figured oh they're just done with this movie now and 10 minutes later they came walking back with fresh drinks from the bar because <laughs> the the arc light I can't watch the sober seagulls fuck that let's go but but <laughs> okay, Tom's, no, I missed Tom's statement was you can't just choose an intermission and hope the movie's not going to keep going <laughs> But these people just chose their intermission. But our but our friend was very much like I was just tuned out because it was just too long. She doesn't uh, I, like heist movies. Maybe it really is, this is kind of a, a dumb boy. Like like I said, all the testosterone. I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a boy movie, and you gotta like the shootouts and watch two tough. There are guys no good glare. women roles in it. Right, you, you have to really be into watching two really tough guys glare at each other. Like if that doesn't work for right. you, and there are shootouts in between, yeah, this is not a movie for you. Uh, I do want to call out before we go uh, the the distributor for this movie because we all know and love a distributor called A24. They do a lot of great indie stuff. Uh, this is a little indie distributor called STX, uh, and I think it's worth paying attention to the stuff that they do. They got their start uh, co-financing a movie called The Gift, uh, which I didn't care for but has a fascinating – Joel Edgerton performance, and it's Jason Bateman playing a straight man, which I really enjoy, uh, and it's a it's kind of a psychological thriller. Uh, and they co-financed that, and they distributed it. And since then, they've picked up some really interesting movies. Uh, Hardcore Henry was theirs. Uh, uh, Ed, huh. Edge, of, Edge of Seventeen. Uh, they distributed that. 
And they've also had some missteps. Uh, Kelly Wan, they distributed The Circle, the Tom Hanks, Emma Watson oh. thing, which you said they screwed up the book. They distributed a little movie called uh, – let me check the name of this. I don't know. If, I don't think I've seen this. I think I would have remembered. Valerian and the City of a Thousand Ooh, Planets. Boy. Sounds very funny. Yeah, they, they must have taken a bath on that one. Uh, and their really big success – uh, is the Bad Moms movie. That's where they oh, made no. the most money. They did Bad Moms Christmas. There's uh, three Bad Moms movies, I think. Two. There's two. Well, there's a... There's a uh, no, I think there's just two. There's Bad Moms and Bad Moms Christmas, right? Maybe. Is there right. a third, Kelly Wand? No, I'm thinking of Purge. You're a bad teacher. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I really like uh, the kinds of movies they're distributing. And I... Uh, because... I mean, I'm so on the fence with how dumb this movie becomes, but I really do like that they let that it that it's Christian Gudegast as a first-time director trying to find a style and being experimental mm. and just letting things breathe. He's not being super fast-paced and he's not quick-cutting, uh, and he's letting Gerard Butler do crazy stuff. Like he trusts this actor, even though, as Christian pointed out, this is probably kind of a vanity project. Um, so uh, they've also uh, distributed recently – I know you didn't care for it, Dingus, but it's Aaron Sorkin getting to direct uh, Molly's Game. They distributed right. that. Uh, a weird Jackie Chan movie uh, called The Foreigner, which is based on a novel called yeah. The Chinaman. They didn't feel they could get away with that title, so they renamed <laughs> it The Foreigner. Wow. Um, That's more inclusive. Yeah. <laughs> that term. Uh, but I do want to call out – if we're going to call out uh, A24, this little indie – uh, distributor uh, STX, uh, when their name is on something, it's enough to make me sort of pay attention and be curious. Uh, and this is their latest. Oh, Desierto. That was the other thing that I – because Desierto I, uh, I really didn't like, but I was super glad it got picked up and distributed when it did. It was uh, partly because of Trump's uh, comments about Mexicans being rapists. Right. STX was like, oh, well, there's this movie that uh, this guy did – a sort of a horror movie from the about the America from the perspective of immigrants. Let's distribute that. Like I, I really applaud their decision to distribute Desierto, despite the fact that it was kind of a problematic movie. Um, so STX, I'm, I'm, I just want to call I'm, them out. Go ahead. I'm really glad that you brought that up because the because what I think of a, of um, a24, the their logo looks cinematic. It looks filmy. I've just seen it so many times, but yeah, it does because it looks like it's on an old VHS tape. Right, like they and do that. Yeah, yeah. STX looks cinemaxy. It looks a little. It looks a little cable-y. It's definitely. I would. Yeah, it's it's pretty. Bad moms. But I'm glad that you said that. Nonetheless, I mean, I'm I I, I like that you brought that up. So I'll I'll keep that on my radar. I guess. A24 had a hell of a year, and I didn't realize this till I looked it up. Free Fire, It Comes at Night, Florida Project, Lady Bird. <laughs> wow. wow. The year did. before that, Witch, and the year before that, Under the Skin. Yeah, you know, they, yeah. Uh, Animal uh, also, uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer, which I didn't give a Kelly Wan movie, and a movie that I really liked, which is also a Kelly Wan movie, Good Time. Yeah. They also distributed those last year. But, mm. uh, yeah. Hmm. Okay. So there you go, A24, STX. Uh, sometimes it pays to uh, pay attention to who's picked up for distribution movies. Uh, yeah. All right, so next week uh, we had the stealth release of the Cloverfield sequel, or the third Cloverfield movie, Cloverfield Paradox, uh, and we're going we're gonna to talk about that next week. I know you guys have seen it. I know you're s- super excited, too, to hear, hey, 
It's a stealth release of a Cloverfield movie on Netflix. I'm going to watch it. So because we know you watched it, let us know what you thought. Just you know, write a little paragraph or a couple of lines. Maybe give us a discussion topic, something you'd like us to discuss, and send that to 3x3 at quarter3.com. Make sure we get that by February 11th at midnight, and we will fold your comments into the discussion. Also, Dingus, what 3 by 3 should the listeners be thinking about between now and midnight, February 25th? All right, they should be thinking about their favorite um, protests, group protests. This would be group protests, not like just Kelly Wan railing against something, <laughs> but favorite group protests um, or parades or marches. And also send those in a separate email to 3x3 at quarter3.com. You got a couple of weeks. So put that in your thinking cap. Consider that. And, and now – And smoke it. Don't, don't smoke out of your thinking cap. No. Uh, that's not what? a good idea. Why but else now, do I have it? Ladies and gentlemen, the moment we have all been waiting for, I now present to you Kelly Wan's rendition of Robert Shaw as Han Solo. <clears throat> You've never heard of the Millennium Falcon college boy? She did the Kessel Run in eight parsecs. I'll take you to Alderaan for 2,000, but I'll get you in and out of the Death Star for 10. For that, you get the princess, the plans, the whole damn thing. That interrogation droid is going to puncture Princess Leia's thick skin with that tiny needle. I prefer that we be more capable and prepared. Then lucky observation, reflection, faith, and determination. In this way, we may navigate the path as it unfolds before us. All right, and we have what eight more recharge cycles to go before we get to Oragai Six. Is that a question, yes, sir? Yes, Walter, that's a question. That is correct. Uh, this is while Luke's doing the lightsaber practice with the droid. Bomb, 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 bomb. <laughs> Kelly Wand, give me a hug and save a fortune on therapy. Hokey religions and ancient weapons are no match for a yellow barrel and a harpoon at your side, college boy. Tom, is he off his meds? <laughs> well, 